That's not just the sound of that first sip of Morning Joe. It's the sound of someone shopping for a car on Carvana from the comfort of home. That's a good blend. It's time to take it easy, like answering some easy questions to get pre-qualified for a car in minutes. Talk about starting the morning right. Just like customizing your terms so your car fits your budget. Mm, mm, mm. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to experience car shopping the way it should be. Convenient. Comfortable. Ah. Welcome to another weekend bonus episode of the Tech Meme Right Home. I'm Brian McCullough. When a company does one of their big product events late in the day, it's always a mad rush for me to get it out. Apple events are hard, but at least they start a bit earlier. The Samsung event this week just felt like I was just making a mad list of everything announced and hoping I wasn't missing anything. So I really felt like it was worth sitting back, taking a breath, and looking at everything that was announced in depth once I had a chance to think about it. Today we're going to speak to Gizmodo's Sam Rutherford, who has actually been hands-on with the S20s. So we'll lay out in more granular detail the differences between the whole lineup and also speculate on whether or not the Z Flip is actually the foldable phone we've all been waiting for, i.e. a foldable phone that might not suck. You know what I think we should do? Let's start with the, the S20 lineup first. Okay. Because probably for all the pizzazz of foldable phones, that's the big news anyway, right? Um, yeah. Samsung made a big deal about you know, the jump from 20, from 10 to 20 and how that was in the naming and how that was meant to signal like a generational leap in terms of their flagship devices. What's your take on that? Is this truly a, a big leap forward or just iterative? Um, I think it's a little bit of both because, uh, I mean, if you look at last year, you saw that OnePlus and Google and some other uh, phone makers, they brought 90 hertz uh, displays to their phones. And that seems really weird because, especially because Samsung was the manufacturer who made the panels that were in those phones. So in terms of generational, I think Samsung absolutely had to add 120 hertz displays. Like that was a, that was a, a huge feature uh, in terms of like, you know, really jumping from the S10 to the S20. Uh, on the other side, then you have like the design aspect. And for the most part, you know, the S20 looks a lot like the S10. Yeah, they moved the, the punch hole selfie camera to the middle. Um, but, you know, it's a very similar design. You know, they changed up the colors. And aside from, you know, that boxy camera module on back, you know, I, I could see how a lot of people might, you know, get the two confused. Yeah, actually, you got hands on with the S20s, right? Mm-hmm. Okay, well, let's come back to that, because I want to ask you about that first. But um, maybe we should start also by, like, breaking it down. So, sure. essentially, across the entire lineup, um, all the device, all of the three S20s uh, get the same screen, not the same size screen, but the same... Right, same 120 hertz screen. Um, right, and then, so, like, let's start with the with the S20. You get... Um, what is the it start it's a 6.7 inch screen um they all have 5g but the the s20 regular has like a, a lower end 5g chip right uh so the s20 has a 6.2 inch on the 20 hertz yeah the screen and it does have 5g support however it only has sub 6 gigahertz 5g support and so basically that only really works uh on t-mobile's uh 5g which is you know they're based around sub 6 however it starts to get really confusing because uh, Verizon just recently announced that they're also going to add uh, low bands 5G capability to their network uh, because right now Verizon is only using 
millimeter wave. So they're not even going to carry the S20 at launch, and they're working with Samsung to bring a special version of the S20 that has millimeter wave 5G uh, sometime in Q2. So it's like it's very weird how like you're, you're looking at things and. You know, it, it feels like we've gone backwards, like the 3 days where like, you mm-hmm. know, people are having to have like customized versions, carrier branded versions of the flagship phones just so it'll work on their network mm-hmm. because of uh, 5G. Okay, so and that the, the S twenty is sort of the the entry level. It's the one that's priced at a thousand bucks. Right, and, and it's weird that like entry level is a thousand dollars. Oh, we're gonna come back to that too. So okay. then the next one is the S twenty plus, which is yep. twelve hundred bucks. And so then there there you get the better five G chip and and a six point seven inch screen and what like a, a slightly larger battery. Right. Um, so the S twenty has a four thousand million power battery. The S twenty plus has um, moves up to a forty five hundred million power battery. Um, like you said, 6.7-inch screen, and it does have uh, an additional time-of-flight uh, sensor on the back, which is a little bit gimmicky, but it's you know used for things like helping measure things around the house or Samsung's AR Doodles making it a little bit more accurate, a little more responsive. But generally, the cameras between the S20 and S20 Plus are the same? Yes. Okay. Um, Go ahead. And, and like you said, uh, it does support millimeter wave 5G and sub-6 gigahertz 5G, so it'll work well well on um, Verizon and AT&T and T-Mobile. Um, and then also, to throw another wrench into the things, uh, Sprint's 5G network, which is completely different and uses 2.5 gigahertz 5G, uh, their carrier-branded versions of S20 are specifically designed to work on their network. So it sort of remains to be seen how it'll work when you take you know, a Sprint S20 and try to take it to another network. Am I going to have to do my homework if, depending on my carrier, in terms of which one I would want to try to buy? I mean, basically, if you want the 5G support, just you're going to be kind of forced to buy it from your car- carrier in order to make sure you have, like, the best possible support. Trying to – we, we haven't gotten the devices in hands yet, so it's kind of interesting to see what, like, an unlocked uh, U.S. S20 will do if you try to bring it to a network yourself. Uh, and then finally, just to, to round it out, the, there's the S20 Ultra, 1400 bucks starting, 6.9-inch screen, bigger battery, and you've got that insane 108-megapixel wide-angle camera. Yep. Can, can you tell, explain to me a bit about um, how their sort of uh, photo software stuff works and like mm-hmm. it, if, it's, if it's for real, like the space zoom or whatever it is that they called it? Like, yeah. Um, I mean, like, I, I love that Space Zoom name. It's so dumb, but, like, I don't know. It kind of speaks to me in a weird sort of nerdy sort of way. And they even put it on the back of the camera module, so you see it, and it's just, like, Space Zoom right on the back. Um, so the primary camera on the S20 Ultra is a 108-megapixel camera. But what they're actually doing is they're using pixel binning to take nine individual photo pixels and combine it into one large photo pixel so you get better image quality um, and particularly better low light performance. And, you know, that's one of the big techniques that Samsung's using to really try to, you know, catch up to uh, Google and Apple when it comes to overall camera quality, which is something they kind of fell behind in uh, the last couple of years. So just generally, uh, across all the devices, there is a pretty big step up in, in the camera, we think, until we actually get here. Yeah, I, I mean, Samsung is talking a real big game this time. Um, they said it's the biggest camera upgrade since the Galaxy S7. So that's like, what, you know, four generations um, of phones? Mm-hmm. Uh, and then there is, 
there is not the the low end market, right? Because what was it last year that they had on the low end? Yeah, they had they had the S ten E, and I actually just came out with a piece today talking about how you know there are three S twenties, like there were three versions of the S ten last year, but because the starting price is a thousand rather uh, versus seven hundred and fifty for the S ten E. That's like going to put people in a very weird, uh, like a weird situation when it comes to like deciding. Oh, is this the year I upgrade? Yeah, I mean, I feel like if it was another company, another whatever, like all the talk would be about starting at that thousand dollar price level. I mean, that mm-hmm. that was the talk a couple years ago when we first crossed the thousand dollar barrier, and and that kind of got missed yesterday. Like, could they be maybe painting themselves into a corner by? Basically, like thousand dollars is table stakes now. Yeah, uh, it totally. Uh, and, and like, it's weird because like now that thousand dollar table stakes, they like Samsung is kind of uh, positioning the S10. They gave the S10 a price drop down to six hundred dollars, and I guess their strategy is to be like, oh, if you don't care about five G and you still want like a shiny Samsung phone, then you can go get the S10 for six hundred. But that just feels really weird. And especially when you compare it to Apple's strategy, where you have the iPhone XR and then you had the um, the iPhone uh, 11 this year, the iPhone 10R, sorry, 10R was 750 at launch last year, and the iPhone 11 was 700, so even cheaper. So it feels like Samsung is like breaking from what Apple is doing, and I'm not sure that's a great idea because the iPhone 11 was you know wildly successful throughout all of 2019. Well, maybe the the calculation they're making is that you know a lot of people have been waiting, knowing that five G was coming, so they're 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 banking on the fact that all right, this is officially the five G year. People are going to upgrade for five G, and so maybe mm-hmm. it's not going to matter. Yeah, and I think that that's really what Samsung's banking on. It's like, oh, they want to be five G ready. You know, they made a big show about being five G ready across the different lines. There's you know a little bit of messiness in terms of like what kind of five G, but I think. You know, that is their main strategy. On the flip side of that, I'm not entirely convinced that consumers care enough about 5G support, especially considering, you know, it is very limited uh, in terms of cities so far, uh, especially millimeter wave 5G, which still has hard times penetrating through windows and buildings. So you can get great 5G, you know, a thousand gigabits per second performance outside on the street. But if you go inside, suddenly you're right back to 4G, and it's like, oh, okay, that feels a little bit weird. You know, I was talking to somebody about that the other day. I, I kind of uh, am of the inverse on that, where I feel like most consumers remember getting onto 3G and like how that was so much different, and that was a lot of people's, um, you know, first introduction to to mobile interneting, full stop. And mm-hmm. so I think everyone's just assuming, oh, it'll be as transformational as that. So I actually think that everyone will upgrade. It's just that there's going to be a lot of people that are like, oh, well, that really didn't make that big a difference to my life. Oh yeah, totally. Um, and especially if you took look at you know the most widely the, the, the carrier with the biggest five G coverage right now, which is T Mobile. You know they're using sub six gigahertz five G, um, and the upgrade over four G with sub six gigahertz five G is you're going to maybe see. 10, 15, 20, maybe 25% uh, increased performance. So you're looking around like 50 megabits per second instead of like 30 or 35 megabits per second. Um, And that's nice, but that's definitely not transformational. Um, And to get like that really like ridiculous speeds that people talk about 5G, uh, haven't been talking about for years, you know, you really need that millimeter wave like 
you know, one gigabit per second uh, connection. And that's just not as stable or as reliable uh, as people would like it to be. Well, and then the amount of people that will buy a 5G phone expecting it to be, you know, plug it in, transformational. And then it turns out at my home, I don't even have 5G coverage yet. So it doesn't yep. matter. Uh, and, and yeah, that's the other thing is that like, you know, a lot of the big cities, they do have 5G in parts of the city. But a lot of times it's like hard to even figure out if your specific neighborhood or your home is covered. And like some people's like, oh, I have it at work, but I don't have it at home. And it's like, yeah, it's just kind of a mess. Um, and, and, you know, obviously we're very early in 2020, but, you know, it, it's going to take pretty much the whole year for carriers to really roll out and, you know, build up that coverage. Um, okay, so then uh, I hope you remember to put a pin in it. The, the actual hands-on, um, you, were, you were talking about how the design is essentially the same. Like, if I, mm-hmm. if I held last year's and this year's in my hand, is it going to basically feel identical? I mean, you will definitely get that like Samsung heritage where, you know, they have that curvy glass um, and, you know, that really great screen. And yeah, I keep that. That screen is still the best. So it's it's the same thing. It's like basically bezel-less. And like, that's the thing that I love about all of Samsung's phones. Is those screens oh, yeah. are insane. Yeah. And Samsung for years has been far and away the best like mobile display maker. Um, and, and they're, you know, they're really proving it. And that's why, you know, that 120, bringing 120 hertz support to the S20 is such a big deal. Um, absolutely. Um, and then the, uh, the big chunky photo thing on the back, not a, not a deal breaker or anything like that. I, I wouldn't say it's a deal breaker. You sort of wish Samsung had been able to come up with like a, a somewhat more elegant solution. Um, I mean, Apple, even Apple struggles with this too. You know, you see like people were, you know, memeing about the iPhone 11 Pro with it's like, you know, it looks like a stovetop. Um, so because, you know, across the board, you know, phone makers are trying to cram huge sensors on top of a bunch of different camera lenses on the back of phones, you know, they're sort of, they're sort of being forced into like, you know, a difficult spot in terms of making it perform well and look good. In 2023, just 10 vulnerabilities accounted for over half of the incidents responded to by our sponsors today, Arctic Wolf Incident Response. Wouldn't you love to know how to take these vulnerabilities off the table and make life more difficult for cybercriminals? That's just one of the essential insights you'll find inside the Arctic Wolf Labs 2024 Threats Report. Authored by their elite team of security researchers, data scientists, and security development engineers, and backed by the data gained from trillions of weekly observations within thousands of unique environments, this report offers expert analysis into attack types, root causes, top vulnerabilities, TTPs, and more. Discover the attack vectors behind nearly half of all successful cybercrimes, why ransom demands climbed 20% from 2023, and find out why 2024 will be an especially volatile year for cybersecurity. Learn more and get your copy now at arcticwolf.com forward slash tech meme. That's arcticwolf.com forward slash tech meme. When you go through airport security, there's one line where the TSA agent checks your ID and another line where a machine scans your bag. The same thing happens in enterprise security, but instead of passengers and luggage, it's end users and their devices. These days, most companies are pretty good at the first part of the equation where they check user identity, but user devices can roll right through authentication without getting inspected at all. In fact, 47% of companies allow unmanaged, untrusted devices to access their data. 
That means an employee can log in from a laptop that has its firewall turned off and hasn't been updated in six months. Or worse, that laptop might belong to a bad actor using employee credentials. Collide finally solves the device trust problem. Collide ensures that no device can log into your Octa-protected apps unless it passes your security checks. Plus, you can use Collide on devices without MDM, like your Linux fleet, contractor devices, and every BYOD phone and laptop in your company. Visit collide.com slash ride to watch a demo and see how it all works. That's K-O-L-I-D-E dot com slash ride, collide.com slash ride. Um, so moving on to the, the Z Flip, I'm, I'm actually going to talk about this in the show today, but uh, I was surprised by the, the people that got hands-on last night. I was surprised by how uniformly they all were surprised by they were impressed at least again you know you only get to play with it for a few minutes or whatever sure uh, to a person everyone was talking about like how solid it felt like how Mm -hmm. um does that surprise you at all um it it does and it doesn't i think you know after seeing the fold people got even more wary uh about the concept and the idea of foldables um, but obviously, you know, that was a beta. You know, there, there was only so much you can get right the absolute first time you try it. And I think it's really impressive to see how far Samsung has come with the Z Flip, especially uh, as it pertains to that ultra thin glass screen. And I think that is like the real thing that's like, oh, man, this I don't feel like there's any trade off. It still feels sturdy. It still feels like I'm using a solid, well made phone instead of dealing with that, you know, you know, delicate plastic uh, film that uh, the original Galaxy Fold had. Well, and unlike, uh, you know, the Razer, which everyone is reviewing right now, like, the, the Razer seemed to be, like, underpowered and, and spec-compromised, like, mm-hmm. um, almost everywhere, which, you know, three or four months ago, people were still willing to forgive because it was an experiment in right. in foldables. But, you know, this is there's a Snapdragon 855 plus, 8 mm-hmm. gigabytes of RAM, 256 built-in storage. Like, that's a decent... That those are decent specs. Yeah. Oh, the the specs are great, and it's like if you don't care about 4G, like you don't have to worry about that. Uh, and, and to your point, I absolutely think that the Moto Razor is like the biggest loser in all of this because you know because of the timing, and it's like the Razor had like a one month or two month window where it was like following up the fold and it was like, you know, bringing back all these great nostalgic feelings about, you know, I I had three original razors back in the day. I broke a couple and the last one survived. And it's like, oh man, it looks the part, it feels the part, you know, it has like, it evokes the right design language. There's like, you look at the new razors like, oh yeah, that's absolutely a razor. And it's something that people, you know, get warm and fuzzy about. But then when you look at the Z Flip, it's like, oh wow, this is what this is a device that makes you excited about the idea of foldables. It, you know, it combines everything you love about modern phones and very few compromises, except for, you know, maybe not waterproof or not water resistant. Well, and it is the, you know, this is all relative, but it's the least expensive foldable phone yet. Oh Uh, yeah. That, that totally, that totally helps too. And it's like, like I said, that window where like, you know, the razor just went on sale, you know, last week and now this uh, the Z Flip is going on sale this Friday, and it's like anyone who had a pre-order on on the Razer, like if you're not running and trying to cancel that now, it's like I don't know what you're doing. Uh, given what we were just talking about with five G, no five G on the Z Flip, not a not a problem. You think not a deal breaker? 
Um, no. Uh, like, like I said, it's like I, I still think consumers aren't super invested in 5G. So if you buy a Z Flip now and hold on to it in a couple years, um, you know, you'll be whatever is out in a year and a half or two years will be that'll be the 5G phone that you really, really want. And on top of that, I think a lot of the people who are going to buy a Z Flip, they're the type of people who upgrade their phone every year. And I think, you know, in the next 12 months, you're not going to really miss not having 5G support. Uh, two things real quick that I gave short shrift to yesterday and, and the mad dash to, to get the show out. Um, it has that, uh, when you close it up, it has that tiny little one-inch screen on the outside, mm-hmm. um, which actually, now that I, I went back and, and looked at you know some of the live blogs and stuff, like... I forgot that, that that actually had more utility than I thought. Like you can not only get notifications, take calls from it, but it, like it's like a, even a, like a selfie. Yeah, uh, you can use it to compose selfies. Um, I, I, I'm actually kind of impressed with how much functionality Samsung yeah. tapped into like a tiny and it's yeah, like yeah. a 1.1 inch screen. Um, and if you look at the Razer, the Razer actually has a much better, bigger exterior screen, but it actually doesn't have that screen is much bigger, but doesn't have as much functionality as you expect. Whereas Samsung kind of you know. Uh, under-promised and over-delivered on its like tiny one-inch screen. So it's really interesting to see um, that. Uh, I mean, you're still not going to be you know doing much besides you know checking notifications and composing selfies, but it's like pretty handy. Yeah, it's, it it does what you need it to do essentially. The mm-hmm. other thing, the other thing was, um, and I, I I feel like people are kind of thinking of this as well. It's an interesting gimmick, and I'm not suggesting that this would transform how I would use a phone. But I think that ability to to have it stay open at any angle, like I'm kind of more psyched about that than I thought I'd be because I can think of a lot of use cases for that. And like, oh yeah, I, like th- that's something also that I think that people maybe are sleeping on. <laughs> Oh, totally. I, I actually think that is probably the most underrated feature of the entire Z Flip. Um, and it's like, just for simple stuff, it's like, how many times have you been like out, you know, hanging out with your friends and you want to take a group picture, but no one no one has a tripod. And so you end up trying to like prop your phone up against like someone's book or like a bag. And it's like, no, you just put the Z Flip down on like a picnic table, open it up to 90 degrees. And there you go. You have like a mini tripod set up. Um, and if you're like, you know, trying to be a vlogger or something and like you don't want to carry a big camera around, it's like, oh, OK, I automatically have this thing that turns into like a little mini setup. Um, and then there's like, you know, Google is working with Samsung to add value to uh, apps like Duo and YouTube so that you can scroll comments. And it's like I think that's one of the like most uh, most eye opening things about foldables is that like because of. People are now playing with the design of phones and how you build them. Yeah, you're seeing a little, a lot of innovation in what you know these little improvements can have on how you actually use the phone on a day to day basis. Right. I, peop- I, you know, again, it's it's always if you're early or too early or whatever. But people forget about the fact that like things that you're like, well, I have no utility for that when you first hear about it, but then when you're using it, you find the utility. And listen, it's, it can be as simple as if you've got small kids, I am so tired of Papa being the freaking cinematographer every time we talk to the grandparents. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, so if I can just sit it down and like have them talk and I can walk away, like that's fantastic. Right. It's almost like it's like a mini GoPro where you just set it on a table mm-hmm. and then you forget about it, but it's sitting there capturing all the stuff and no one's really thinking about it because it's just, you know, sitting on a table. Uh, yeah. Or you leave it open next to your computer with Twitter on, streaming by, or, you know, whatever. Totally, yeah. And, and that's the thing. Is like, there's so many use cases. And being able to make it make it sturdy enough where people get excited about it and then get it in their hands, it's like, oh, now we're really seeing how 
you know, the foldable technology is impacting the way people use phones. Um, last thing, you mentioned, like, you know, the, the integration with uh, Duo and, and live ca- captions with Google. Mm-hmm. Like, what do you make of Samsung really wrapping themselves in Google? And heck, I mean, wrap themselves in Microsoft and Netflix, too. Mm-hmm. Um, um, I'm assuming that this is basically, you know, if, if Apple is going all in on, on services and features and stuff, like, they have to be like, look, we're still here and, and, and you, can, you can do all that stuff and we're doing it with the best people, I guess. Right. Um, yeah, totally. It, it's Samsung has, you know, always really worked to make partnerships with a lot of the big players. And especially more recently with the uh, unveil of Samsung One's, uh, Samsung's One UI last year and then One UI 2.0 now, you know, they're really trying to get better about software and how their phone, you know, plays nicely in the Android ecosystem. Because obviously Samsung's, you know, their bread and butter is we, they do great hardware, they do great design. And now, you know, their software side is, you know, starting to catch up. Uh, as opposed to like, you know, Google, their main thing is like they do amazing software and the design of their phone is like, you know, not quite as exciting as you might expect. So it's kind of an interesting shift to see Samsung put more effort and attention um, to, you know, the way the software works on their phones by bringing in partnerships with Microsoft, Google and others. So all things considered, fairly solid event for Samsung and, and their prospects this year. Yeah, uh, you know, the phones have great specs, and we didn't even mention, you know, all the phones have 12 gigabits of uh, 12 gigabytes of RAM, mm-hmm. which is kind of nutty in a world where most laptops have eight. Um, and you know, it, it, Samsung is, you know, really trying to goose the hardware with the S20. The one, you know, the really one concern is the price. It's like, you know, are people going to balk at that price, or are they going to be like? You know, 120 hertz screen, 5G support. That's enough for me to upgrade, and you know they feel good or feel at least okay about paying a thousand dollars for a phone. Anything you want to plug, Sam? Just Gizmodo, I guess. Yeah, just you know, for more more coverage, you know, always check back with Gizmodo. Um, we're looking forward to getting the Z Flip in relatively soon, so we'll have that review up as soon as possible. And I'll read it on here. Thank you, Sam. Thank you for having me. 